0: What is up, everyone, and welcome to Podcast with Pack. I'm your host, Pastor Ashley Karayuki, and this is a podcast packed with real conversation, a life-changing message, and a time of refreshing. Thanks for tuning in. Be blessed by today's episode. 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others I myself should become disqualified or a castaway. Again, 1 Corinthians 9.27 says, But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified or a castaway. Somebody say slippery slopes. Come on, let it roll off your tongue. Slippery slopes. Suffering succotash. (laughs) I don't know where that came from. Slippery slopes. Paul is talking here in 1 Corinthians. He said, I shall become a castaway. He's referring in the word of God when Jesus rebukes them and says, depart from me. I never knew you. He says, Yes, you you laid hands on the sick. Yes, you cast out demons in my, my name. Yes, you did all these things in my name, yet I never knew you. In other words, you are cast away from the Lord. Last week we have understood the three tenses of salvation, right? Really quickly. The three tenses of salvation. We talked about past tense, the finished work of Christ on Calvary. The death, the burial, and the resurrection, it is finished. Someone say it was and it is finished. That's the past tense, the past tense of salvation. The present tense of salvation, the current work of Christ within us, and has to do with the present deliverance over the reigning or lingering power of sin or the carnal nature. The power that tries to still live in the lives of many believers. Somebody say present tense. Then we talked about the future tense. Future tense. The complete work. When we all get to heaven. The complete work. When we all get to heaven. The song says when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, that's a place to shout. When we all see Jesus, we will sing and shout the victory, the eternal work, the complete work. That's why the word of God says we are being saved past, present, and future. He's a God of completion. Past, present, and future. He deals with it all. In the book of Revelation, he says, see what has been, what is, and what will be. He's a God of completion. Our salvation is complete. Somebody say complete. Past, present, future. That's why we are even today being saved. We talked about salvation as a gift, and it is by grace we have been saved. Less any man should boast. Put your chest down. You didn't save yourself. Salvation is a progression. We talked about the three works of grace. Three works of grace. In filling. Excuse me. We start at salvation where he saves us. He chooses us. He empties us. Then he fills us. The Bible says, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? So salvation... And filling, and then the third work of grace is he sanctifies us. And that's where I want to park for a little bit. Somebody say slippery slopes. So he saves us, he fills us, and then he sanctifies us. That is the work of grace. Sanctification can also be understood as holiness. And holiness and sanctification sets us apart for his use, and for his glory. It is at this place in sanctification where Christ is formed in us. Paul prayed and told the Galatians in chapter 4, verse 19, he said, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains. Any mama can relate. Labor pains for you again and again. And they will continue. In other words, I will continue to labor for you until Christ is fully developed in you. Sanctification. Where Christ is fully developed in you is in sanctification. And many times we don't allow this work of grace to have its perfect work. And frankly, we forfeit the eternal glory. I want you to write this down. Separation breeds sanctification. Sanctification breeds holiness. And holiness is power. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be good. Separation breeds sanctification. Sanctification breeds holiness. And holiness is power. That separation, that set apart, that holiness is power. Somebody say power. Power. The old church used to say power to walk right. Power to talk right, power to live right, power to think right, power to act right. Power, power, holiness is power. I don't act like everybody else. I don't talk like everybody else. I don't think like everybody else. I know that's how they think, but that's not how I think because holiness is power. Power, separation breeds sanctification sanctification breathes holiness and holiness power power why was Jesus able to do what he did because he was holy power power ye shall have power power let your power go out today you'll be mad can't charge your phone, can't cook your dinner Because power is important. And God so finds power, so valuable, so important that he implies it to so many areas. I got to say it again. Separation breeds sanctification. Sanctification breeds holiness. And holiness is power. And that same power is found in the first separation. Somebody say, there's power in separation. He separates you to himself that he can use you as he pleases. He saves you. Everybody remember our friend Bill? Bill got saved. Bill got saved and is now at the expense Of the one who saved him. (laughs) Bill got saved and he is now at the expense of the one who saved him. God takes Bill, saves him. (laughs) And if God wants to take a sip. He can. (laughs) If God wants to pour him out. He can. If God wants to take Bill and storm for later he can. If God wants Bill to go clean the bathrooms he can. If God wants Bill to go serve in the media or in the children's ministry he can. Why? Because Bill is just a vessel. Bill is just a vessel. What's on the inside of Bill is God's. (laughs) That's why the Bible says we should be vessels fit for the master's use. That word master translates to Lord. We talked last week about we have no problem with him saving Bill. But Bill, he can't just save you. He needs to become your Lord. Look at somebody and ask them, yo, what's on the inside of you? Who's on the inside of you? And this is where the struggle becomes so real because we battle with holiness and separation. It becomes difficult to stand and work out our own soul salvation with fear. And trembling. We have separation anxiety of the spirit. Jesus, I feel his presence. We have separation anxiety in our spirit. And if you know my history, that's my background. I study psychology and therapy and I I can counsel and do all that great stuff. So I understand separation anxiety in the natural very well. When we learned it in school, separation anxiety is something that happens a lot with children. It's not as common with adults, but it can happen with adults. But it's very common with children, especially small children. Anybody got children under the age of two in here? Just raise your hand really quickly. You have small children. I remember the very first time Zion Karauki. When Zion was born, of course he was born into this house and I was, a, I was an overprotective mother, yes, I admit it. I was choosy on where my child went, who he was with. And of course, when I had my child, I said, "I'm not going to slow down serving the Lord. We're going to find you somewhere to sit, son during service. I got to serve." And the Spirit of the Lord led me to an individual, and that individual every Sunday kept my son, was sit in service with him, dance and have a good time and do praise and worship with him. And he was just happy, him and his little six-month- old self. No teeth, just da, 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 da. Zion. And I remember the, when God called Pastor Evans and I to go to Bible college. And we went to our first service in Bible college. And Pastor and I said, we got to go and receive. The person who usually would sit with Zion is not with us. So, babe, we got a choice to make. We're going to take this boy to the nursery and the children's church. Or we're going to leave him here with us and let him just sort of do what he wants. And then we really can't receive what we need to receive. We get a little distracted. And so we made that decision. We said, all right, we're going to send Zion to the nursery. And so we went and we checked Zion in. And I'm sitting there. Any good mom knows how to get rid of, how to-, how to escape. You sit there and you act like everything is great. Oh, see all your toys. See all the friends. Yay. And then when he look away. Okay, y'all ain't never ran from nursery. Y'all ain't never. Okay, I got some mamas that's ran from nursery. We dropped Zion in there and went. And when we checked them in, they said, now listen, ma'am, when you check them in, there'll be a number underneath the screen. If we need you for anything, look for that number and you come and get your son or you come and see what's going on because if we can't handle it or we need something from you, look for that number. I'm talking about separation anxiety. And so we dropped Zion, we took off running, we went to the service. My God, Pastor Evans and now they had to pick us up off the floor. We were some spiritual drunks in that place. We ran around the church. We shouted the victory. We was giving God praise, spinning, singing, dancing, jumping, shouting. And the whole time, they're my number. But I was so full of the Spirit, I seen nothing. And I remember that was a long service. And when we got back to that nursery, that, that nursery worker looked at me and said, Where have you been? I was like, I'm so sorry, ma'am. And Zion, my baby, I remember his face to this day. <laughs> I mean, he was not even one yet. He was just so tore up because he had to separate from what was familiar. From what he was used to. That woman said this boy cried for the whole two and a half hours. Nonstop. We tried to give him milk. We tried to give him what you gave us. He wanted none of it. He just wailed for two and a half hours. Because he was detaching from what was familiar. But if I had not left him there. And let him cry it out just a little bit. Today I couldn't drop him at school. Because he would have never separated. I don't know if you get it. See if I wouldn't have left him there. And let him understand that I might have left you here. But I haven't left you permanently. And so he, he had a little separation anxiety. And that's what happens with a lot of believers when they first get saved. They get saved and they get anxiety about the things they got to now give up. They get anxiety about what was familiar. I got to stop following him. I got to, I can't call her no more. We, we, get, we get nervous about what we got to give up. I can't smoke that no more. That's where I found my comfort. What you mean, Jesus? Separation anxiety. Separation anxiety of the spirit. I can't do what I want to do. I can't do what I used to do. We get separation anxiety. We get nervous about the things we have to give up for God. And so we sit there like Zion did in the nursery and we, (laughs) and after a while, if you don't allow God to take it and use you, you begin to want the things of your past in the world more than you want the future glory. And we sit there and we say, God, help. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do that. God has you in the fire. and The fire is uncomfortable because it's hot. And the heat is just perfecting you, but perfecting doesn't feel real good because it's hot. But the heat is actually good for you. And it's just like everybody's grandmama said. You can't take the heat. Get out the kitchen. And when you can't take the heat, that's what you do. Unfortunately, you get out the kitchen and you step onto a slippery slope. And that slippery slope Backsliding. What is backsliding? Forsaking God. Write down Jeremiah two thirteen. He says, for my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn themselves cisterns broken that hold no water. Yes, there's a bowl, but there's a hole in it. Broken cistern. What is backsliding? Forsaking God. You forsake the well of living water. The fountain of living water is what Jeremiah said. Broken cisterns. (laughs) Forsaking God. What is backsliding? Putting your hand to the plow and then letting go. Putting your hand to the plow. In other words, you're in the field. In other words, you're in the harvest. In other words, that's your part. Pastor just said it so well. They take that corner, it's handled. They take that corner, it's handled. They take that block, it's handled. They take that school, it's handled. But what if I'm backsliding? That means you drop what you were handling. You're in the field, working your part of the harvest. This is where you're supposed to hold on and work it. Plow up. Plow up. Plow. Work. And instead of working it, your heart becomes cold towards the things of God. You drop your plow. And now that's a part of the ground that's not even being plowed anymore. Ooh, Jesus what is backsliding forsaking God putting your hand to the plow and then letting go Luke nine sixty two. he said no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God forsaking God putting your hand to the plow and letting go taking your sword and hiding it in the time of war Jeremiah 48, 15 said that. He said, Cursed is he who does the work of the Lord deceitfully, and cursed is he who keeps back his sword in the time of blood. We're in a fight. How many of you ever had somebody that got your back? You know you're going to go fight somebody, and they're like, Girl, I got your back. Yo, I got your back. Let's go. Let's do this. And y'all all go and y'all think y'all about to start something and then you look for your squad and they ain't nowhere to be found. Everybody's been there sometime in life. Backslid. It's time for war and you know where to be found. It's time for war and you have a weapon and you won't use it. He says, Cursed is he who keeps his sword from blood. You have a weapon, and you won't use it. Backslidden. Well, I know I used to serve here, but I just don't feel like I need to serve there anymore. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit here. I'm just going to sit here, Pastor Ashley. And you have a weapon. And there's a, I need you to hear this. There's a harvest assigned to you. And you won't wield your weapon against the forces of darkness. So what do you do? You expect Pastor Evans and I to come in and just start fighting. When God has a weapon in your hand. And he chose you. To go into that highway and that byway. And annihilate all the works of Satan in that community. I, I don't I don't know if you're getting it. I don't I don't know if you're getting backsliding. Somebody say backsliding. Slippery slopes. Slippery slopes. Anyone, write this down, anyone can backslide. First Corinthians 10:12 says, Therefore, let him who thinks he stands, take heed lest he fall backsliding is not immediate you don't stand on a mountain and then find yourself in a valley it's a slippery slope it comes gradually yet faster than you can imagine and eventually you wake up and find yourself in a valley oh preaching better than you saying amen Backsliding is determined by your burden of responsibility. Pastor said this Wednesday, write it down. Backsliding is determined by your burden of responsibility. What has God put in your hand? Backsliding to Pastor Evans is not the same as backsliding to a lay member because there's more in the hands of Pastor Evans. Backsliding is determined by your burden of responsibility. Backsliding for Pastor Evans might be you didn't spend the three hours in prayer that you're supposed to. Three hours, yes, the burden of responsibility. The burden of responsibility. Backsliding is determined by your burden of responsibility. Usually, I'm giving you a lot of notes, I hope you're writing this. Usually, when people are backsliding, they don't listen, therefore they won't admit it. They don't listen, therefore they won't admit it. In fact, when you're backsliding, you won't listen Therefore, you won't admit it. We try to justify everything, including ourselves. When? We're not even supposed to justify ourselves. He's our vindicator. He's our justifier. And we try to justify ourselves. And truthfully, we're backslidden. Backsliding can be hard To see because of comparison. You say, Well, I'm not as bad as her or him. That's all right, it's quiet today. You say, Well, I'm not as bad as her or him. I don't cuss no more, I don't drink that. I drink, but I don't get drunk. I smoke, but I don't get high. (laughs) I'm just praying for them. I'm not gossiping about them. Because, see, everybody thinks, you know, backsliding is the drinking, the smoking, the laying around. But the truth is the power of life and death is in your tongue and you're gossiping talking about people disrespect dishonor slippery slopes comparison a scripture that hit my spirit like a ton of bricks proverbs 30:12 it says there is a generation that is pure in its own eyes yet is not washed from its filthiness. Say it again. Shook. Shook. Proverbs thirty twelve. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes. You see yourself as, I'm all right. You see yourself as, oh, I'm good. Oh, she talking about Baseline. slime. Pastor ain't talking to me. Pastor Evans ain't talking to me. That is the first sign. We just said they won't listen. Talking about everybody but me. The first person you should ever check anytime the word of God is going forth is yourself. If the first thought is about old boy or old girl, you missed it. The word is for you. I said the word is for you. Oh, man. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. Somebody lift your hands right now and say, God, take the scales off my eyes. You want to see. You want to see. You want those scales removed off your eyes. You don't want to be good according to your own standard. You want to be good according to God's standard. What has Christ said about me? What is his standard? Remember, we can't dictate God. God dictates us. And that's what happens. We come to God and say, well, God, I'm good. And God is like, no, your righteousness is but faith rags what you mean I got on white I'm good your righteousness is but filthy rags Selah. there is a generation that is pure in his own eyes yet is not washed from his filthiness backsliding write this down Backsliding starts in your heart. Proverbs 14:14, 14, 14, the backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. will be filled with his own ways. Remember, I talked about that separation anxiety. It, gets, it makes you nervous. You, you don't really know what to do with it because it means you can't do what you want to do. You can't really go your own way because you've been called to God and now you're his and he is yours. But a man who's backslidden in heart will be filled with his own way. And that means maybe, God, I don't like the way I look or what is happening on the inside. So I'm going to pour out a little bit of you, Lord. I'm going to pour out a little bit of you because I I don't really want that. I want to be filled with my own way. And I'm going to pour in what I think I need. I'm going pour in what I think I need. And what you've done is you've tainted the purity that was on the inside of you. Because you're backslidden and you're filled with your own way. Do you notice? Yes, it's still a little clear, but it's not completely clear. There's some dirtiness, there's some filthiness on the inside now because you said, I'm going to do what I want to do. Bill! Bill don't taste right. See, understand this. Just as much as you was on fire for God, the enemy wants to make you on fire for him. Bill's testimony is amazing. He was saved from all this mess. It's a horror story. It's amazing what God did in his life. And what does Bill have to do? He has to get so inundated with God that it outshines the mess he was in. Let me help you understand something. When you get saved and you've been delivered from darkness, the infilling and the depth of God has to supersede the depth of evil you were in. If you was a hot, wretched mess, you cannot come into the kingdom of God and thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I give you glory. Thank you, Jesus. You know you used to be at the club on every pole, on every man, on every woman, drinks all around, doing what you want, high as a whole kite. You was doing everything, and then you get into the kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. No! The Spirit of God has to supersede the depth of evil that I was in has to supersede it I have to go deeper in God you can't be in 12 feet in the devil of the swimming pool of life and then get in the kingdom of God and say I'm just gonna wade in this three feet water that's what we do we sit here we're in 12 feet of mess 12 feet of mess I'm talking to somebody today You're in 12 feet of mess. You're doing all kinds of evil. You know you're not right. You know this is a mess. You know, you know, you know that you get over here in the kingdom of God. If you was 12 feet there, you better be 20 here. If you were 12 feet here, I'm going to be 36 over here. Double, double. You have to supersede the depth. He who has been forgiven much loves much. You know what God has brought you out of. You know what God has pulled you through. You know what God saved you from. You know that mess he cleaned up. You know he knocked that pipe out your hand. You know he saved you from that. You know you say he saved you from this. You cannot be here and then go shallow here. He's found in the depths. He's found in the depths. He's found in the depths. Some of us are too shallow. We keep standing in the shallow end and you keep wondering why you can't swim, you're still walking around the pool. You're still walking around the pool. You're still walking around the pool and you see everybody else swimming around you. Why is everybody swimming and I'm just walking. Understand it's harder to walk than to swim. It's harder to walk than to swim. When I played basketball, we used to travel, we used to go to hotels that had big pools. My coach did it on purpose. He said, because I want y'all to go outside at the end of the day, when we had all our fun, we got workouts and we got pool workouts. One of the hardest workouts is a pool workout. He'll say, what I want you to do is get in this three feet and you're gonna run back and forth, running in the water. It was hard. It was hard. It was real hard. But then he'd say, relax, swim. And when we swam, it was easier. We'd flow. Our muscles would rest. Our muscles would rest. You can't stay shallow. Stop walking around what you're supposed to be swimming in. He said, water's at the ankles. Water after need, water's to swim in. I'm not going to sit here and allow the enemy to keep me shallow. If I wasn't shallow with the devil, I'm sure not going to be shallow with my God. Ah. Sit down. Stop being shallow. Shallow people think it's all about them. It's not about you. It's not. Backsliding starts in the heart. It's a slippery slope. Your heart for God becomes numb. Whew, Jesus. Numb to his touch, numb to his voice, numb to his embrace. Heart. You honor him with your lips. God, I praise you. God, I max- magnify you. Will you meet me here again? You might as well be lip syncing. <laughs> you might as well be Millie Vanilli up here. I don't know if y'all remember Millie Vanilli. Y'all know who I'm talking about? They was known for lip singing. Found out that whole time that was not his voice. Just. Your lips. He didn't say your words. Your lips. Your lips. You, You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You sitting here. And to God, that's how it sounds. Yeah, there are words, but there's empty words because there's no heart because your heart is far from him. You are backslidden. You are backslidden. You honor me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. And a backslidden heart, a person usually becomes numb and is at that point you have a choice to make. you can take it for what it is. Oh well, I just don't feel God like I used to. Why are you okay with that? I just don't I don't feel like doing what I used to do. Why are you okay with that? <laughs> Why are you okay with that? Coming soon Why? are you okay with that why doesn't that bother you it bothers me if I don't feel this touch it bothered Zion to not see his mama hold up she just left me we become that way for the things of God I'm not okay with how I am I don't care if you've been saved 400 years or two when will we stop being okay oh well well caught. guess I'm backsliding you would be surprised you would be surprised how many believers are okay with that state of heart so you have two options with a backslidden heart. You can say, oh well, all right, that's me. Or you can close the door to that spiritual Nova game. Stop getting these spiritual epidurals where you don't feel. Take me back to where I first believed. He said many in the last day their hearts will grow cold, their love would grow cold. He was talking about backsliding. There'd be a great falling away. Not just numeral, but those with names and titles. A great falling away. There would be p- people who used to hunger and thirst for righteousness. I can't wait to get in church. Yeah, I know I can watch it here. I know I can go here and I know I can go. No, I gotta be in this presence. I can't wait to get up and go into my prayer closet. I can't wait to get up and seek his... I can't wait. Oh, we got Zoom in the morning. Let's go. Set my alarm. I can't wait to get on that zoom call in the morning but no we've taken spiritual epidurals and we don't want to feel we don't feel and we call it maturity we don't feel and we call it maturity and I'm not talking about emotionalism because if if God is the God of your emotions that's not what I'm talking about I'm only moved by the spirit. We don't feel and we're okay with being numb. And so we take these spiritual epidurals and we can't feel it. So when we see somebody on the news who's been hurt, who's been depressed, who's been broken, who is hopeless, we don't care, we don't care. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion, godly sorrow. I gotta move. We take spiritual epidurals, and it's during backsliding that the devil is looking to oppress you, and eventually reprocess you. During backsliding, the devil is looking to oppress you and eventually repossess you. Oppress means you are bound by. The enemy can cause you to backslide or you allow yourself to be backslidden and you become bound. Oppression deals with bound. You open the door to oppression. And when you open the door to oppression, it leads continually to possession. Possession is about ownership. Who owns you? Possession is about ownership. And once you become possessed, reprobate, mine. He turns you over. The Bible says he turned them over to their unnatural passion. He turns you over so with nothing you can say makes sense to them. Oppression can lead to possession. Possess means to be owned by. And the enemy is always trying to repossess. The enemy is always trying to repossess you. Because he lost something when he lost you. You was 12 feet in, boo. Sir, you were 12 feet in the devil's camp. He needed something done. He knew where to go. You were something in the kingdom of darkness. The enemy lost something when you came to the kingdom of light. And so what does he do? He's always trying to repossess. That's why you got to be born again. You cannot repossess a vehicle when it's in gear. Anybody ever had a car re- repossessed? No, don't don't put your hand down. Anybody ever had a car towed? Plenty of times. You cannot tow a car that's in gear. You got to put it in And this is why we can't be stuck in neutral. Because if you get stuck in neutral, you're easily pulled away. You're easily told into whatever the enemy wants you to do. You're easily pulled into deception. You're easily pulled. Slippery slopes. Easily pulled. Easily repossessed. Let the banker try to come and tow your car, and it's in park. Can't do it. He'll break something. Can't do it. Put that thing in neutral. It's gonna roll right up there easily. Slippery slopes. That's why we can't stay in neutral. The great Charles H. Spurgeon said this. The Christian life is very much like climbing A hill of ice you cannot slide up nay you have to cut every step with an ice axe only with incessant labor and cutting and chipping can you make any progress if you want to know how to backslide leave off going forward cease going upward and you will go downward of necessity. You can never stand still. That 12 feet of work you was doing for the enemy has to be deeper and higher in the kingdom of God. Slippery slopes. My kids love the playground. Anybody else kids love the playground? Their favorite thing, even me, I'll get my big self up there. Their favorite place, especially Zachariah, is the slide. He'll go up it, he'll run up it, and come back down backwards. And I'm like, what are you doing? Okay. The slide. And here's the thing about playgrounds and slides. There's a lot of science happening. He gets at the top of that slide. He sits down. He goes down. The force that is always there is gravity. He goes down because of gravity. He doesn't sit at the top of the slide and float out. He goes down because gravity. Gravity is always pulling, keeping you walking on this ground, keeping you stable, keeping you where you are, keeping you sitting in that chair. Gravity, always at work, a constant work. That is your enemy. That is how the devil is. When it comes to your Christian walk, he's always, he's always pulling. Why? Because this world is cursed. We live in a cursed system. He is always trying to pull you down. He'll take you through that heartbreak. He'll allow that addiction to come back. He, you, oh Jesus. He's, he's, always, he's always pulling. He'll let you see this on TV and he's pulling. He'll let you talk to that guy that you ain't talked to in years. Pulling. He'll let you see that girl that you know you ain't seen in forever and you said you was done with her. Pulling. All he does is open doors and sees which one you're going to walk in. The door number one, door number two, door number three. Four, five, six, seven, eight for some of us. That's what he does. He pulls. Gravity is always at work. What brings you down is gravity. The enemy is always trying to pull you down. Takes you through all this stuff. But do you know how you can stop gravity? Friction Friction. If I got on a slide at the slide after church with this kimono on, I'm gonna go super fast down that slide. <laughs> I can see it. I can just see it. Whew. Man, To the point when I land, I'm probably going to stumble because I'm going so fast. But if I put my feet, if I put on some tennis shoes and I sit on that slide and put my feet on that slide and try to go, the rubber of my soles will resist the gravity. Friction. You have to create friction in your spirit. What is friction according to science? It's effort against resistance. Go back to the word of God, Philippians 2, Philippians 2, verse 12. He says, work out your own soul salvation with fear and trembling. Why did Charles Spurgeon say you cannot stay still? Because when you stay still, you can be pulled easily. Work. Work. Resist. Resist. Effort against resistance. Resist. 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 How can I backslide? I've been saved a long time. Resist. As soon as you put your guard down, we are in a war. I know they told you you get saved and everything will be great. Everything will be daisies, popping petunias, turning out tulips. That's what they told you. They told you you wouldn't struggle. They told you you wouldn't deal with things. They told you you ain't gotta be delivered. Just, 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 just. That's what he told you. Let me encourage you. You're in a war. And if you don't put on some spiritual tennis shoes and say, I'm not going down this slippery slope, I would look crazy to go to the playground in these shoes cause they're slippery. And if I try to go up that slide, I'm gonna fall back down. I have to have something greater on the inside of me that resists the enemy at all costs and at all occasions. I can't keep allowing the enemy to pull me back. I come to the altar this week and then I just get pulled back. I come to the altar the next week and I just get pulled back. I come to the altar the next week and I'm just pulled back. It's because we don't work. We don't work. Backsliding doesn't just happen. Gradual. But boy, when you're in it, it's fast. Slippery slope. Hebrews 12:4 says, "You have not yet resisted unto bloodshed, striving against sin. Somebody's going to get delivered today. That sin that has plagued your life, that iniquity is going to be eradicated today. I I don't think there's enough faith in the house. I know I'm teaching you, but I need you to hear what I'm saying. Someone is going to be delivered today from every addiction, every bondage, every oppression. You are going to be delivered today from every depression, from every anxiety. You're going to be delivered today. Striving against sin. Have you said, I don't care how long you've been saved. You tired of listening to secular music? You tired of listening to music that you know does not edify God? Young people, you're tired of saying all these cuss words and all these things, but you're constantly inundating your your head and inundating your ears with ungodly music. Ooh, that slipped. No, it didn't. It didn't slip. You did. You went down that slippery slope. All you kept listening to was all that mess. All you kept listening to was this and that and watching all this craziness. Have you resisted unto blood, striving against sin? When was the last time you said, I'm going to change my number because I don't want him to call me? I know I'm being real I know this ain't a Sunday morning but somebody's gonna get delivered today yeah. have you said enough is enough I'm unsubscribing you get mad when the telemarketer call you you put up all these blocks you put up all these blocks you get all this spam and this junk mail you put up all these blocks I can't stand they keep filling my email with this. They keep texting me all this junk mail, all of this, all of this. But let something wrong call you that you know you've been delivered from. And you tolerate it. You tolerate it. When was the last time you said, I'm going to take a bat to my computer because I'm not watching that no more? I'm going to change my number. I'm going to unsubscribe. Pastor, that sounds very practical. I mean, shouldn't you just pray in tongues more? Well, you can't because you're talking to him. See, this is where people get me, and this is where I bump heads with a lot of ministers because at the end of the day, I believe in a practical, work out your soul salvation. You have to apply effort against resistance. There are practical things you need to do in order to overcome the devil's that you once fought. Don't tempt. The cigarettes at the altar if you want to be delivered put the condom at the altar if you want to be delivered unsubscribe block 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 some of y'all need to activate that block in ministry block Block. block. I can't watch that. I'm not going to. I don't care that I'm 18 and older. I'm not watching a rated R movie because I know what God delivered me from. And I'm not going to open that door to the enemy no more. Slippery slope. The door doesn't open wide. It Gradually open. resisting unto blood. said, I ain't going to do it. And I'm going to do the practical things to stop it. And the spiritual things to stop it. Young people, hear me. You watching online, hear me. You cannot outthink the devil. You have to put it away. Lay aside those things that so easily beset you. Some of us are backsliding because we have not laid aside everything and every weight that so easily besets us. And you thought you were delivered and you actually were not. Lay aside every weight that so easily besets you say God I'm chasing you God I'm gonna chase you I'm gonna try to apprehend what has apprehended me I'm gonna chase I'm gonna go harder I know I ain't gotta go to church and then go to a prayer march and then go to evangelize but I'm gonna do it all because I know I used to spend all night in the world and all night doing what I wasn't supposed to do but I gotta supersede that hell I came from I gotta supersede that hell I came from I won't go back to the way it used to be. Before your presence came, changed me. It would be unrighteous for us to forget what God has done on the inside of us. And going back is not necessarily fully engulfed in the world. I'm closing right here. Sometimes it's not obvious. Some of you find yourself backsliding where you have forsaken God and you are formerly back in the world. Some of you find yourself backsliding where you just let go of the plow. Ooh. Oh, Jesus. Backsliding can simply be answered here. Are you more on fire for God now than you were before. Are you more on fire for God now than you were before? Elder come. Terrence come. Are you more on fire for God now than where you were before? Oh Jesus. You sit here and say, well, Pastor, I think I am. What are you? Because most of you think fire and you think spread. And you're burning with this yellow flame. But spread is not necessarily what I'm talking about when I talk about moral fire. Because many of us do a lot, but we do it with a cold heart. And you see a flame... But what you don't know about this flame is easily turned out. This flame, oh, it's pretty. It's orange, it burns, but what you don't know is this flame is not that hot. It's, it's, it's a little wild. It's moved by every wind of doctrine until it gets blown out. <laughs> Spread. Oh, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. But where's your heart? Your lips honor me. But your heart, far from me. And you see it, you say, oh, that's so pretty. And this is where you fool a lot of people. Because everybody see you burning and they say, woo, they on fire. But what they don't know is you go home and that fire goes. This fire, temporary fire, easily shaken, easily broken, easily blown out. But there is a fire that's hotter. And this fire is not to be played with. You have to say, God, I don't want to burn bright yellow. This fire is not... It's not about how yellow I am. It's about how close I am to the source and the bigger source that gives me a hotter fire. I'd be a crazy woman to try to put this fire out. This fire is steady. See how this one is moved? This this fire is steady, I'm blowing wind and it's not moving. The flame that's blue is hotter than the flame that's orange. This fire is closer to the source, therefore it's being fed more. This flame has a little bitty source, it was your flesh. It was your carnal mentality. It was everything the enemy tried to do. It's a little source. It was the world. But God puts you in his fire, feeds that source, and this intensity is hotter. If I take this one, put it against metal, that metal will laugh at it. (laughs) <laughs> what are you doing in fact the metal would turn it out but this one if I put it against metal and I cut that bad fella in half and a it to whatever it needs it to be. Some of you want to impact your family. You want to impact your community. You want to impact your life. Get closer to the source and burn hotter and burn hotter and burn hotter and burn hotter. (laughs) Hot! Everything, even if I touch this, I'd burn myself. We say it in our vision statement, a church on fire for the Lord. We're not talking about a little orange flame. We're talking about a blue source. Hot, intense, hot, intense. I can't backslide. How on fire for God are you? How much on fire for God are you? Is this your intensity? Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want you to let someone else enjoy it. Go share, comment, leave a review, get the word out. Let's spread more encouragement in the world. Connect with me on all social platforms. You can find links to all my pages on ashleykaryuki.com. Hope you will listen again very soon. God bless.